We're, uh, we're uh, continuing our, our series, Restored, um, Recovering the Gifts of Christmas today. And today, we're going to be talking about peace, restoring peace. But in order to understand peace, we need to know uh, its opposite. We need to know what, um, what's going on against peace. And so we do have a, a fun Christmas story. Uh, Jesus is coming in this story, and, uh, and that's what Christmas is about, Jesus coming. And, and, and everyone, we're going to see how their, their house is prepared uh, for Jesus coming. So let's uh, look here at Luke 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do this work by myself? Tell her to get up. Help me. Jesus responds, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are anxious and distracted about many things, but few things are needed, and indeed really just one. Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, when we were talking about this in our staff meeting on Thursday, uh, our intern, Caden, was very passionate. He's like, the, the, this, Martha gets a bad rap. Martha's awesome. And, in, and if you don't, I mean, what is she, what's she guilty of here, right? She's guilty of what, hard work? She, she's guilty of being, like, a responsible host? Like, she, what is she, if, if, she's, if, she's, if she's bad, like, what does that say about us? Um, the, the word there, um, anxious, um, is merimnabzo in Greek, merinao. Uh, and it, 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 it's made up of two words uh, that one, one means um, uh, disturbed and the other means mind. And you put those words together, and that's what, that's what we get for anxious, a disturbed mind. You can't always do that with word etymology. Otherwise, we would uh, park on parkways and drive on driveways, but we don't. Uh, but in this case, it works. In this case, uh, it, it's exactly what's going on with Martha. She is, she's got so many things going on in her life, she is missing out on something that's really important. Her mind is so disturbed, she's so distracted, she's missing out. That's the key. Uh, For those of you who've ever been anxious, and I have, I get anxious a lot. I have an anxiety disorder. Uh, One of the things I used to say when it was really, really bad is I would say, it feels like my life is being stolen from me. And the reason I said that is because it was like, it was like, because my mind was out of control and because it was, you know, focused on all these other things and because I was feeling these, these, these feelings of distraction and anxiety, I was missing out on what the good things in my life were. I wasn't able to be present for them, wasn't able to enjoy them. It was just, it's bad. And I think if we're honest, uh, <laughs> anxiety and distraction are very strong in, in our culture, especially this time of year. There's a lot of things that cause us anxiety. There's a lot of ways that we get distracted. And those things are and do cause us to miss out. I have a couple of these things. Uh, for the, the youth here, I, I, I tell you all the time, man, I do not envy you. Because you're in a, in a part of your life where you're being driven by um, chemicals in your head that that make you desire or thirst for um, acceptance and, and uh, unity in community, right? The problem is that when I was your age, I was dealing with that with only the people that I went to school with and church. That's it. You actually deal with it with the whole world. Like literally, ev- well, not literally, but uh, uh, hundreds of millions of people are 
able to view and see how you act, look. And so as a result, as a result, we, we are constantly, especially the young folks, constantly being assaulted by images of who, what we ought to look like, um, questions about our identity, our sex, our gender, our race, our privilege. All these things are coming at us all the time. And, and then you, on top of that, you have to deal with homework. It is not cool to be in high school in 2022. And there's tremendous pressure to stay with your Instagram feed because everyone else is doing it. Some of us uh, get distracted and worried about our, the way we look, um, the way we appear, the way our house looks. Um, the bottom left there, if, if you invite me over during this time, because this time of year there's parties, there's gatherings, people are hosting. If I don't see, you know, the reflection of the lights off of your sparkling floor, Christmas is ruined. For some of us, it's money. For some of us, uh, Christmas is expensive. And uh, we keep seeing the credit card, you know, go up. I'm like, well, I get 2% cash back, so I mean... Why would I stop? And these things, and there's, there's many more, of course. I mean, people, humans get anxious and distracted by, by all kinds of things. But the, the bottom line is, is that these things are stealing your peace. The first thing you're noting is anxiety is a state of disturbed distraction. And we got to be honest, we have to have some self-awareness right now. And self-awareness is not easy for human beings. Uh, it's, it's not easy for us to be honest about these things. Often we deceive ourselves. But right now is a really good time to figure out what are those things for you. What is it that, and maybe, you know, it's like, it's like hosting, it's a big one for people. It's uh, providing, it's, there's lots of different things, it's the way that others think about us, how, how we, we present. But what are the things what are those things that are disturbing and distracting you that are causing us to miss it? And then the, the, the question that follows that is what triggers those things? Anxiety is an interesting, it's an interesting experience uh, because, you know, one minute everything can be fine and then the next you can be thrown into a state of disarray and I think I've shared with you before, when we're actually experiencing anxiety, what's going on is our brain is um, preparing a fight-or-flight response. So if you were actually, like, in a situation where, you know, you were fighting or you were running away, the way that your brain operates lights up. That's exactly what's going on when you're anxious. Your, your brain is, is uh, it's preparing you for action. But you can't do anything. You're stuck. You can't move. You can't get it done. Whatever you're anxious about is not something you can fix often. But here's the thing. Uh, anxiety, while it is the opposite of peace, it, peace, peace isn't just about stopping your personal... Because let's be honest. If all we were talking about was like stopping anxiety, uh, it's not that difficult, right? Whatever it is you figure out causes you to be in these states during this time, just don't do them, right? Just stop. Say no. That is a very simple way to stop. But, but, but... It's more than that. It's more than that. And I want us to look at it. Just, 
it's Luke 2, right? We were singing about it. Let's, um, let, let's, let's look at this text uh, a little more closely. Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those whom he favors. Peace. That's what we want, right? Peace, the opposite of anxiety. Is it? It is. But we have to think about it for a second. If anxiety is the state of disturbed distraction, well, is peace just when that stops? I suggest no. Uh, for example, we're, we're at peace, right, in America right now? Because we, you know, we're not involved, except for giving weapons to Ukraine. We're not involved in that conflict. A year ago, we exited Afghanistan. We're out of Iraq, so we are in a state of peace. And yet, if you were to ask people, is America at peace? They'd be like, nope. Similarly, uh, maybe you've experienced this where um, you're in a state where you're not fighting with your spouse or your friend, but that's not saying much. There's this, uh, this movie that Aaron and I love called um, Couples Retreat. And at one point, this couple, they, they seem like they're doing great, but they're sitting with a therapist. And the therapist is like, you know, well, what, what is it? How, how's your marriage? And, uh, and the wife, uh, Malin Ackerman, she says, uh, she says, well, we get, things, get through things really well together. The therapist is like, that doesn't sound like fun. It doesn't sound like you're thriving. It doesn't sound, you get through things to, together. Surely we can do better than that. And, and, and Vince Vaughn, the husband's like, but we're not fighting. Like, we, we're, we're, we're at peace. Now, peace, peace is more than that. We, we know what this is like. You, you've, you've experienced this with a friend, with a coworker, somebody, a, a spouse, where, yeah, you're not at each other's throats, okay? But things aren't exactly right either. Or, or if they're okay. But that's not peace. Yeah, the, 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 the claws aren't out, the fangs aren't out, but but there's something still jilted with the relationship. So the next thing in your note sheets, peace is more than just an end to conflict. It's good relations restored. And this is true with peace of, with God, okay? So part of the gospel is, is that human beings have offended God because of our sin, right? We're, we're, we've done wrong, and God is upset about that. God, and it there puts, a, puts a, a barrier between us. Right? Well, when Jesus comes and when he restores us, when he, when he forgives us past, present, future sins, it's not as though all he's doing is just removing that barrier and God's still kind of standoffish. No, the gospel message is not that just that the sins have been forgiven and been put aside, but now we have a, a, an intimate and deep and full and thriving relationship with God. That God's life becomes our life. We're united. We become a part of God's eternal life. And so that brings up a few questions. If, if peace is not just an end to conflict, are there places and people in our lives where we're not actually fighting, but there's still something that's not intimate? Because that means you're out of peace. You might not be anxious, but you're not in peace. You're not in shalom yet. And then the question becomes, how do you foster peace with these people? How do you go from, well, we're getting through things pretty well together, 
to this is right and it's good. Well, the Israelites, they had a system of sacrifice. That's what they did. Um, and I've told you before that, that really sacrifice, it's, it's more than just, you know, paying for a sin. It's really more like giving a gift. It's like giving flowers. Um, when, when I, there's lots of different reasons why I might give my wife flowers. But uh, the other night, um, Nate and I were, were at dinner and we were talking. And we just started talking about how awesome our wives are. And my wife is awesome. And she doesn't get a whole lot of credit. She works, and, but she's pretty, right now she's like Soren's vomiting into a toilet and she's holding it up. Last night, you know, she was, he vomited and, and she cleaned up the, the couch and I went down and I was mad because I got, I got woken up. I went down, I'm like, why am I awake? And she's like, I'm like, what are you spraying? She's like, there's vomit all over the couch. I'm like, this is ruining, I, one night a week, I demand Peace. That actually happened, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm playing it up a little bit, but I was not cool. It was not cool what I did. I feel bad. So, so one of the things that, that, I, that I'll do is, is we woke up this morning, and she, wasn't, she was like, she kind of let it go. She knows that, you know, Saturday nights are, are tough for me. So she let it go. But that, what really what needs to happen is that I need, on the way home, I need to stop off and get a bouquet of flowers and hand it to her. And what that's going to say is it's going to say, not just we're not at war anymore. It's going to say, I love you. I want this relationship to, to be intimate again. Right? That's peace. That's peace in a marriage. Check out the text. This, this is interesting. Uh, uh, peace among those whom he favors. You may be familiar with the, the older translation, uh, peace on earth and goodwill to men or human beings. Um, the, the challenge here is that the, the Greek is not, uh, it's not explicit. The Greek could either be um, peace to those who have uh, goodwill, peace to those who are goodwill type people, or it could be peace uh, to those people who have received goodwill. Uh, the, 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 the noun there is ambiguous. It can be translated both ways. Now, typically, when we're looking at the Bible, we, we are always looking for what are called divine passives. A lot of times when uh, God's doing something, it's described in passive terms. So you have received grace, Paul might say. Well, really what's going on there is God has given you grace. Right? Jewish people didn't, uh, they were, they were kind of nervous and still are in some cases about talking about God directly. And so they would, they would talk about God in the passive tense. You have received grace, meaning God has given you grace. In this case, I think that's exactly what uh, Luke, Luke is doing, what the angels are doing. They're saying, uh, there's going to be peace, but it's not just um, peace for anybody. It's peace among those on whom God has had favor. Those among whom God's goodwill has settled. Lauren and Jacob, super engaged. Good job. Do you have a venue? Where is it? You got to yell it out. I can't hear you. What? Temecula. Temecula. What's hot these days, I've noticed a lot of the beach weddings. Have you seen these? So hot right now. It's, it's, and it's interesting too, you know, it used to be that like the, the wedding always took place in a church. That's kind of on the way out. I'm not, and, and I, we actually thought about when we were designing this, it was like, well, so say we do a wedding, right? How do they exit? Like maybe just jump off? 
Like, Jacob, you would jump off, and she would jump into your arms, and then you'd carry her out. Because you're strong like that. Just recently engaged, so congratulate them if you haven't yet. What's that? Josh, our bass player, getting married. Do you have a date? Do you have a venue? Where are you guys going? Another church? Wait, am I not performing this wedding? It's my brother-in-law. That jerk. I don't know him. I'm sure he's great, but he's definitely not. Good job. Everybody getting married. That's all. Uh, the coming of Christ, right, is like in, uh, Jesus is, is, is the, the, the bridegroom and we're the bride, right? And the beginning of our union is Christmas. It's when Jesus comes. And as part of that union, what, what, what do we do when we have weddings? We're actually, in, from a biblical perspective, we're creating shalom. We're creating peace. Why? What's going on? When you get married, the first thing you do is you make promises. Promises about the future. You know, better or worse, rich or poor, all that. Now people write their own vows like, I will be the first mate on your boat and you will be my captain, stuff like that. But what they mean is the old stuff, right? So you make promises. Uh, then you're also, you're, you're with the person, you're practicing presence, right? Emmanuel means God with us. And at, at, at the wedding, you're, you're promising to be with each other, to experience your presence together. And the last thing you're doing is you're setting up plans for the future. Whether you know it or not, and the kids these days don't, but when the, one of the points of marriage is procreation. By, by getting married, you're implicitly saying, we are going to build a family together, if God wills. So you've got promises, you've got presents, you've got plans. These are all of the things that happen when we come together to win, when we create shalom. And what, what, what the angels are saying is now among those whom God favors, it's like, your, it's like the wedding is beginning. All of the promises of God are coming to pass. The promise uh, to be with us, the promise to forgive us, the promise to free us, to, the, the promise to, 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 to love us and be committed to us. That's happening now. Jesus is coming. It's beginning. And because Jesus is here, in that, uh, how, how great was that line uh, in the song about breathing our air, the creator of the world, breathing our air. That's a, that's a cool line because it's capturing something beautiful about the fact that now God's presence is with us forever. Even when Jesus is raised and, and ascends, he, he leaves the Holy Spirit so that we can have that presence, that experience of God usually mediated through other Christians among those whom he favors. And the plans that God has for the church, those are guaranteed now. They're inaugurated in the coming of Christ. So next thing you know, she's peace is God's gracious promises, presence, and plans to the church. Peace isn't just, I don't feel anxious. Peace isn't just, my house is clean enough. Peace isn't just, I'm not worried about what people on Instagram think of me. Peace is way beyond that. 
Peace is when we're settled and experiencing and knowing in a deep and real way that God's promises are real and they're guaranteed, that God's promise is, or presence is with us, that God has plans for us to be a part of God's mission to the world and to ultimately be in union with him forever. That's peace. And the, the place that it, that it happens is here. It happens with the people of God. And, and the reason for that is because, you know, there's times in our lives where we, we might know intellectually that God has promised to uh, take us in, to eternity. We might know that God has promised to keep us um, in, in, in his heart and to be committed to us. We might know that, but a lot of times we don't. It doesn't feel like that when you're fighting cancer sometimes. It doesn't feel like that when you're getting divorced. And it's the people in the church who are the ones that you lean on to remind you of those promises when you're going through it. It's the people who hold you when you need to cry. The people who hold your hands or sit with you when Things are awful. That's when the presence of God is mediated through the Spirit, through the people around you. And when it doesn't seem like God's got a plan, or if God does, it's a bad plan, and you, and you object. It's the people in the church who are saying, no, I have seen God's goodness, and I am confident that God is good to you too. Let's jump, jump back to the text just one more time. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace among those whom he favors. Part of this is uh, it's, it's poetry. And so the, the angels are proclaiming there's something going on in heaven, right? Glory to God. God is being glorified in the, in the highest heaven. There's a counterpoint to that. Something's happening here on earth. But what's significant about that is what's going on here on earth is it, the life of heaven is beginning to descend and come here. You might say, on earth, peace among those whom he favors, just as it is in the divine life in heaven. Whatever God's experience of being God is like is now being brought down to us in the sun. There's this, uh, this is from about 1500 an Italian uh, ceramic uh, artist, Giovanni della Robbia, I think. And it's, it's, maybe it's hard to see, but what's beautiful about this nativity scene is they've got baby Jesus, right? And there's like Mary and Joseph. And in between Mary and Joseph is the dove, the Holy Spirit, right? And then above the dove are the, the cherubs, the angels, and, and above the angels is God the Father, and the significance of this is that in the Trinity, in the triune life of God, God's experience of, of surplus, of joy, of communion, of love, it's infinite. And, and the, the Father glorifies the Son, who glorifies the Father. There's this intimacy and unity that is, it's, in, it's undescribable and, and incomprehensible to us now. But we can get at it a little bit if we, if we meditate on that and recognize that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit live in this, 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 this experience of a total lack of 
any lack, that there, there's plenty and surplus and love and joy and communion. When God sends the Son, he brings that here so that now on earth we can have these little communities. And it, it's never perfect. It's never just like the way it is with God. But it ebbs and flows where we actually do live in a, in a way that, that God lives. Where the things that, that take us away from peace, uh, a lack of, of resources, uh, alienation and loneliness, all of, those, all of those things that are the antithesis of how God lives, those are restored to us here and now. Not perfectly, but truly. And one of the things that means is that peace is something we share to people. Peace is something, so if, if someone in this community is, is lacking, doesn't have provision, they're short on rent or whatever, it's part of the duty of this community to share that so that they, they can experience that provision, that surplus. If somebody here is lonely because they've been left, uh, if the, somebody here is alienated because they, that, the community is the place where we show that that's not how life is supposed to be. Life is supposed to be God's life where we're united and loved together. When somebody's hurting, this is the place where we stand with. It's the last thing on your note sheets. At Christmas, the peace of the triune God came down to earth forever. And you might add, and it's made real here. I don't know what you're doing tonight. But I would love it if you came at 6.30. It, it's going to be super cash, totally informal. I think we're supposed to dress up in Christmas stuff. Is that correct? I, had, I used my one Christmas shirt at the uh, Stony Brook event on Friday. So I'm out. I have no more. It's a cool shirt. Uh, I think Colleen got it for me. It says, you're all on the naughty list. And, uh, and it looks like it's Santa Claus, but it's actually John Calvin. And John Calvin was famous for, like, really just laying into people for being sinners and, like, how awful they are. It's a pretty cool shirt. I like that shirt. It's a good one. Come in your Christmas here. Like, bake some cookies. Or fudge. I like fudge. I'm not a huge fan of pies, so if you're going to do a pie, it's got to be top shelf. Doug's got some games. We're just going to hang out. And in that time, what I want you to be looking for are the people who don't have peace. It's being denied them. They don't have intimacy. They don't. Have, instead, they're kind of flailing and kind of lost, kind of hurting. If you're one of those people, I want you to come and find peace. If you're one of the people who's at peace, share it. And when we do that, It'll be like a little piece of heaven has come down to earth. Let's pray.
Gracious God and Father, we confess that we are anxious people, especially this time of year. There's so many voices that tell us we're not enough. So many ways in which we're shamed, belittled, distracted, disturbed. So many fears that we have about how we're perceived, whether or not we have enough. But God, we know that we're called to something higher than that, a, a peace that is deep, it's real. A peace that's settled in your promises, your presence, your plans. A peace that's shared amongst your people. The peace that you, God, experience eternally as Father, Son, and Spirit, intimately united, overflowing with love and joy. God, give us a piece of that. A piece of that today as we greet people after church. A piece of that tonight when we have dessert. A piece of that when we host. A piece of that when we exchange gifts. We got, God, we, we ask for a piece of your peace. One that settles us. draws us close. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.